0: Hello. Welcome back to Meraki Unboxed for episode 86. Uh, We're really excited to have you back with us once again and greatly appreciate the time that you spend listening to our podcast. We put this out every two weeks. We have a ton of great content in the archives. And uh, today we are going to be adding to that great list of content uh, with a discussion that's really covering uh, an extremely important area of macro development in the world of networking and security that we really want to get into. And uh, this may sound very broad. We're going to explain everything. We're going to hone in on the detail. And we're going to talk about this exciting new capability uh, from Cisco that I think is really well suited to the modern reality of the working world that we're all operating within today. If you're not already a subscriber to this podcast, uh, please go along to your favorite podcast app, and just search for Meraki Unboxed. You'll find a subscribe button there, and we'd love to have you as a regular listener. I always like to put in a pitch asking for ideas for content as well, because although we have no shortage of ideas coming in, uh, it's awesome to have those coming in from our listeners, from our partners, you know, from anybody who'd love to have a, a feature or a use case for Meraki uh, featured on the podcast Uh, That would be super awesome. So you can find me online pretty easily. I'm in the Meraki community, if you're a member of that, at community.meraki.com. And uh, you will also find me on Twitter, where my handle is at Meraki Simon, one word. And I'd love to hear from you. So do get in touch. Uh, Just let me know what you think of the podcast. Okay, let's get into our uh, guests and get those introduced. I'm super excited to uh, welcome... Uh, our guests today both from Cisco and uh, first of all I'm going to start with our head of product marketing uh, Mr. Grant Shirk. Hey Grant how are you doing today?
1: Doing great Simon how are you about yourself?
0: It's Friday as we're recording this and uh, it's been a very warm week it's cooling down slightly where we are I know you're uh, sitting outside as we record this trying to keep cool right?
1: I did. The temperature finally went from 110 degrees to below 100 out here in the East Bay. So I'm enjoying this spring like weather, I mm. guess, that we're having.
0: Relatively speaking, right. Definitely. So um, t- uh, tell us a little bit about what you do for Meraki.
1: Uh, like you mentioned, I lead the product marketing team, which means I get to help not only craft the stories about what we're doing in access networking, SD WAN, IoT, and now SASE and Secure Connect, uh, but ultimately, my favorite part is I get to dig deep down into why our customers care about this in the first place. What are the challenges that we're helping them uncover? And then hopefully telling some of their stories along the way. So I get to nerd out and write things, which is great.
0: Fantastic. Welcome to the podcast. I think this is your first one as well. Thank
1: you. It is.
0: Fantastic. Um, Steve as well. Steve Paulak, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Simon.
0: And Steve, tell us what you do for Cisco.
2: Yes, yeah, so, so my role is uh, strategy and growth for the network as a service portfolio, really focusing on identifying and then clarifying where we are developing new solutions in the market that really moving towards the as a service motion. And the first of that is uh, Secure Connect, which is our SaaS as a service motion. So I'm really excited here to talk today alongside with you uh, and Grant about what it is and, and what value it can provide to our customers.
0: Right, and and before we do get into that as well, we mentioned that uh, uh, Grant's environment is basically his his backyard. Um, your environment looked interesting to me as well because you're actually in some kind of a recording studio or something.
2: Yes, yes, I'm in my basement, uh, and I have uh, behind me is is a soundproof kind of corner uh, where I actually do some recording. So I record um, clean. Motivational hip hop music under the stage name Fedicos. So you can find me on all platforms. It is kid friendly. My seven and five year olds sing them quite often. Uh, it's one of my passions in life to do music and to be a motivational speaker, and I somehow combine both of those. So uh, yeah, it's been great to, to play along with that and uh, and to engage in that with with my kiddos and and around the world, really.
0: That's very cool, and it just goes to show, you know, we we always when we're interacting with each other and we're we're talking business, we're talking work. Um, it's, so, it's so cool to sort of learn these things about uh, the people you work with, because right? there's so many interesting things that people get up to in their in their free time. Well, welcome, Steve. Thank you both uh, very much again for, for joining us. And uh, what I'd love to do now is just get into our topic. Now, we're talking today about a very specific, relatively recent introduction from Cisco uh, called Cisco Plus Secure Connect. Uh, that's its formal name. And what we're going to do is gradually unpack that, explain a little bit of the context and history around it, and also just do a bit of a recap as well to get us into this conversation, uh, specifically around this thing we've been talking about called Sassy. And we've done a couple of episodes, I think, where we've touched on Sassy on Meraki Unboxed. So uh, do go back and have a look if you'd like to uh, sort of hear more of that background. But Grant, maybe you could just kick us off and just give us a little bit of uh, context setting here and explain to us what sassy is again and, and why we should be paying close attention to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think my my internal reference for how and why this term has kind of taken hold is that it's, well, to to, to age myself a little bit, it's a dessert topping and it's a floor wax. Uh, it is in many ways, you know, sassy as you define it, secure access services edge uh, is an architecture, but it's an also an outcome that organizations are trying to get to. So brass tacks on it. What it is, is it is an approach that combines networking and security capabilities in the cloud, uh, ultimately to deliver an outcome for our employees and our customers mm-hmm. that is kind of seamless, secure access to the applications and the resources that we need to get our jobs done anywhere we work, right? It's right. it's kind of this reaction to the accelerated and kind of the future of hybrid work that we're seeing, uh, but trying to address some of the challenges of some of these core functions in the past. If you break that down, right? Okay, great. It's security and networking. It's an architecture mm-hmm. and it's an outcome. Floor wax, dessert topping. Thank you, Saturday Night Live. Uh, what we're really doing is building on a foundation of the software-defined WAN, the SD-WAN, the, the network that's connecting all of these different branches and sites together, with security capabilities like a secure web gateway, uh, a cloud firewall, or firewall as a service, uh, Casb, cloud access security broker, and everybody's other favorite four-letter acronym these days as ZTNA, zero trust network access, and bringing those together in a unified package and policy architecture to. Achieve that goal of seamless, secure access
0: anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think I get all of that. I mean, we we have experienced quite a big change in the world of work uh, in in multiple ways, right? I, I think about. The, the huge revolution of the cloud, of course, Meraki is uh, a, a real a, a proponent of that and has has built its entire business model uh, around that trend of, of moving towards some of the benefits that the cloud brings us. Um, but then there's, of course, what's happened with, uh, with the workforce and, um, and that change there.
1: Uh, yeah, that is, you know, if you look for a driving factor or, you know, Cisco in-joke, a catalyst for this change overall... It is this the the new point in this ten year transition that we've been on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get to hybrid work, but I think more importantly, hybrid workforce. But this is a ten year transition that we've been navigating. I think back to when I was uh, at Box before that, when we were still trying to convince CIOs that the cloud was a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just Salesforce; it's it's for everyone. Um, where we've had to shift because of the way we work, the point of security and control away from the data center and campus to the SaaS applications, we kind of swung the whole pendulum to a a very siloed decentralized world as we were trying to secure every connection Mm -hmm. in these areas. That worked okay when we had a handful of branch locations we needed to get to, right? If I have five offices and I'm trying to get to Box and Salesforce, Okay, right. I can I can manage that traffic, but we now have to swing the pendulum again because it's not just the fact that you, Steve and I are sitting in three different locations. It's the fact that tomorrow we'll be in three different locations, mm. and later this afternoon I'll be at a at a coffee shop because it will get to 110 degrees out here, and I need that seamless access to my tools and secure access to my tools wherever we are, and I think. That's where SASE really comes in. When you're dealing with a hybrid work force, we've got to swing the pendulum back to the middle a little bit and find a better, more effective control point. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the network. That's why this is network and security landing in SD-WAN. I mean, Steve, how, like, how do you think about that? I know this is something you spend a lot of time on.
2: Yeah, as you were talking, you know what came to mind is like who was impacted by this change and what, how their experience changed. So there were two key groups, you know, at least from a technology perspective, that that were impacted when when this situation you know moved on and, and our hybrid workforce became more of a hybrid entity and a resource. So number one is the resource itself, the individual that now had to move away from what maybe they were comfortable with, how they accessed applications, their experience, because they were sitting at the same desk every day, they had consistency, they knew what to expect. Then they swung and had to do complete. Completely change everything. They access things differently. And mm-hmm. that you no, know, that changed a lot of people's work behavior. They had to adjust everything. But you know what else impacted? The IT admins that had to deal with that as well. And all of a sudden they have to completely change how they're implementing and completely change the wor- what they were implementing that used to be in a site, in those five sites that you were saying now to potentially hundreds of sites. We have zero control and zero access. And a lot of people just needed the access because they needed to get their job done. And as And over time, because of how long this happened, there was a lot of energy and time spent on securing that type of environment, and that type of capability remotely. We've got our policies good, but now what's happening, we're creating, people are coming back to the workforce, they're coming back into the sites. And now we have the end user experiencing multiple different places to connect, and they still need to have the same application experience, they need to access their cloud applications, they need to access internal applications, and they need to do it with a consistent experience and making sure that it's, oh, and the IT admins need to make sure it's secure. So the IT admins now have to shift back their pendulum of, well, now we have to do multiple things in multiple places. And that's where we're really looking, SASE provides the opportunity to bring them together and say, hey, you know, IT administrator, you have one place to go for your network policy, for your security policy, no matter where you go, making it simpler for the IT administrator. And you know, a more consistent experience for the end user.
0: Let me uh, let me jump in if I can there for, uh, just a second, Steve. I want to just test something. Uh, and so, I've been working from home at various stages of my career for probably twenty years at this at this point. And typically, I've I've been able to access those services, uh, applications that I needed to, via a VPN. So, to some degree, we've had a way to address. People who are not physically on site in a controlled, a totally controlled IT environment. So, what is different here? What is the weakness with with that approach that we're really trying to work around?
2: So, there is, there isn't a lot of weakness from the VPN because this is that is part of the service, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's the weakness from a uh, from a business construct perspective is that you have to accommodate and size for those users that are connecting via VPN. And mm-hmm. so you say, I have a specific workforce of, you know, in the past, a hybrid work organization was 300 people remotely, 3,000 people on site. Now the environment is all 3,300 of those people could be either of right. them. And so right. the business agility to say all of my entity, every single user may need to be on the office. Every single user may need to be remote. And every single user may need to be in a in – a, uh, a coffee shop, as Grant said, accessing, you know, without a client at all, how do we enable that flexibility? Because your example is only one of the ways to connect. And if we had to build each of those separately, size and configure a policy for branch, size and configure a policy for, you know, in in the coffee shop and size and configure the remote access, then it makes you don't have that business agility. You have to constantly fluctuate. Well, we, well, we only have X amount of people remote, we can't add that third or fourth person. It doesn't allow us to be flexible in the world that we're really in today. That's the shift here,
1: right? The the shift is from we have to ref help very specific people reframe how they solve this problem. And mm-hmm. it comes down to like th- there might be three Ps in here. I don't know. Could we could we could we do this? There's there's the people, and I actually think the the people that we're really that really need the most help solving this problem is the that IT and security team who's dealing with the, the challenges, like how do we operate in a more agile way, right? How do we get that flexibility? There's the policy, which is, supports that directly. How do I simplify how I manage policy and posture in this constantly changing world? Because as we all know, the more differences, the more places, the more ways I'm trying to apply that policy, the more gaps I create, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the day, simplicity is security and consistency is security. And then I think that the final component of that is understanding that we can't control the places anymore. And so while we might right. be, we're, we're reimagining and rebuilding in many ways at the core of this, the, those technologies for a different world. Uh, so while like VPN does play a role, we have to think about it differently and f- not from the, the bandwidth point of view and like, is it because that stuff works, but how are people consuming it? How are they getting yep. access to it? How are we applying those concepts to a different operating model at the end of the day?
0: It's it's definitely very, uh, the, the picture is definitely forming in my mind that, that ultimately what we're solving or attempting to solve is how do you uh, optimize for a permanently hybrid workforce of some description, right? So you a, 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 a workforce where their location uh, simply doesn't matter anymore. And and it certainly did matter before. We were able to solve it, but it did matter uh, and didn't have the level of flexibility that we really need. So if we assume, as you said, um, for like 3,000 people uh, now, Steve, you said this, um, 3,000 3, people, we can assume they're all hybrid. We can assume that everybody's hybrid at this point. So how do we optimize our networking and security solutions to, um, to to address that as effectively as we possibly can. So, so definitely a story of of uh, trying to improve efficiency. So, how do we go about doing this? Let's let's move on to uh, some of the challenges first of all that uh, that network and security administrators may face with the way we do it today. Uh, so, Steve, maybe maybe take us through that a little bit. That that will I think lead us nicely into what we're going to do about it.
2: Yeah, so some of the problems that, that, that an IT admin, and particularly a security administrator, can run into is having multiple security policies in multiple different places and having to manage and maintain them. So, mm. you know, when you have that level of complexity and you have multiple um, policies in different ways, the opportunity opens yourself up for audits or for security vulnerabilities because you have to do multiple things in multiple different places. By creating a single policy that also is implemented and applied at the right place in the network. It makes it very easy for our our end users and our IT admins to create a policy once and have the the construct and the fabric and the solution apply it in the right place for them. So it makes it much easier to A implement and it lowers the, you know, the, the attack vector because you now have more consistency across right. it. Um, and the other piece would be that that experience for the end user. And I, a lot of times, I think we talk about experience from like how fast is the application running, and can I get can I get how fast is it? You know, is is my bandwidth running well? Does my video look good? But experience is also access, just flat out access. Can I get to the applications that I need to do my job? Mm-hmm. And if the end and and the, when you have those policies that are disparate and are separate, the experience for the end user means I go into the office and I can access that application one way and if i can't access that same application in the same way from somewhere else or provide the same experience then that's a bad that's a bad experience for the end user and they're going to it's going to lower your efficiency it's going to it's going to cause all those things that we talk about that kind of sound nebulous but operational efficiency and like customer experience like when you feel it you know it it sounds kind of hand-wavy but when you're in the room and you're go Oh man, I can't do my job because I can't access the application. That's real downtime. That's real money that is costing us and our customers because they can't just do their job. And that's what is that's what the problem we're trying to
1: solve here.
0: Yeah, the, it really is interesting talking about this experience. Let's just just unpick unpick that slightly for a moment, um, because as you said, it's not it's not just about the access to the application. Uh, and the speed that you're getting over that. But it's also is is everybody who's working together on a piece of work. Are they getting uh, an equitable access to it? Are they getting are they getting a, a workspace that feels like they're a team that feels like they're together in one place as much as we can possibly do that. Um, so I'm trying to think of good examples here, but I mean, I I, I certainly imagine a team trying to, uh, you know, build a a project plan for a, for a product launch, for example. You know, it, that's complex stuff, and we all miss that in-person interaction when we don't have it. But if we're if we are now embracing the fact that people can be anywhere, how do we ensure that the team is still as effective as it as it always was?
1: Yeah. Uh, so yes, I, I think that is the. You know, we're we're talking about the technology a lot, but ultimately that's where this really starts to matter at a global scale, right? That's this characteristic of that hybrid, not not just the hybrid workforce where we could be anywhere, but working with people who are anywhere and any opportunity that we have to remove the friction Hmm. from collaboration, the friction from inclusiveness. Like nobody wants to be the person who's joining the meeting who can't see. Right. who is behind in the conversation, who is missing critical details. That's incredibly distancing in many ways. I, I think that I guess we're talking about the, the security and the networking and how do we enable access. But ultimately, when we're doing this well and delivering it consistently, it's going to improve how we work together, how we build teams and deliver products, and ultimately even how we can hire and, mm. and bring people together. Because, you know, we work with teams globally. Right. We work with customers globally, uh, and and having that level of uh, equality and inclusiveness is incredibly powerful.
0: It really is because I mean you're you're just making me really remember the 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 what I call the before times <laughs> before we were all sent home in March 2020. Um, you know that Meraki generally had a working culture at that time of. Everybody's in the office every single day, unless you're a salesperson out in the field. And, you know, there are pros and cons to that for sure. I mean, we, we've been able to benefit since then from you know, really opening up a huge hiring pool compared to, uh, people who are prepared to move to the Bay Area, which is a kind of expensive place to live, uh, with some some uh, lifestyle choices to be made along that journey. Uh, but the but the reality is that we it was very efficient for us, of course, to have all those people together every single day and to be able to just make things happen quickly and seamlessly. So the challenge before us is how do we benefit from the advantages? of a hybrid workforce which we clearly ha- now have been doing by hiring so so broadly uh, but how do we leverage all of that how do we create and and really bring back that level of of always on efficiency uh, and and agility really for our for our teams
2: yeah i think you bring up a really good point that 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 time when you're talking about that that before time you know i was I was one of the few before times where I was remote 80% of the time because Mm. of, of where I lived in my job. And there was some some situations where the the equity wasn't there because like there was because the right. environment that we tend to live in was built for on premise versus hybrid or remote work. There were certain applications experiences that were just easier to get to, even though we still put a lot of stuff in the cloud. There are still things where, cloud or not, we still need to protect the access to them. Right, like being in the cloud doesn't mean ubiquitous access for all. It means it is easier for us to enable it, but we still need to secure access to some of these things. And so I, I, in my situation, that, in that equity w- was challenging. And as we come into this world and saying, hey, do you have access to this document? Can you see what I'm seeing? Can you work on the same thing? And no matter, again, if I'm in a coffee shop and you're in an office, we can see the same thing really does allow us, like you said, to to work better together and also to, to create equity where we can bring no matter where you are in the world, come and work with us at the same level and be as intimate with us working as we would be, you know, in the office without, you know the handshakes and and you know coughing into our shoulders or mm. uh, our elbows
1: <laughs> we're spilling coffee on each other one way or the other yeah uh, all yeah, right, so, right. It's, so i guess it's time and steve to, to carry this further this is it's one of those things to me that it's it's such a small thing right it, it's like you don't you don't notice it when it's there but when it's not you really feel it mm-hmm. but it's also it can be like we haven't Many people have been able to do it yet. It's a hard thing to accomplish. Like, how? I mean, Steve, you're closer to this too. Like, how have we gone about thinking about making this attainable for customers? Like, how do we unlock the benefits of this SaaS model without going down the path of you know twelve different solutions from twelve different people?
2: Yeah, and rec- I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to prevent myself from doing a product pitch here because you kind of yeah. threw a softball at me for that one. We're listening
1: but
0: I carefully, what- Steve.
2: I yes, am the product yes. marketing guy. It's what I do. Right, <laughs> right. So again, so what? What this kind of leads into, you know, how are we? How are we at Cisco, accomplishing all the ideas that we just said? Right, ideas are great, but ac- ideas without execution, you're not going to get anything out of it. So what we see and what we're trying to accomplish with you know, the Cisco plus Secure connect product line is making it much easier for customers to focus more on, you know, the outcomes we're talking about, the SASE outcomes versus spending all their time about how to get a product up and running. So when we talk about how we're delivering this, there are multiple, as you said, there are multiple different components technology wise and capabilities to enable the outcomes we're talking about for SASE. Mm-hmm. What we're doing, what we have the opportunity at Cisco to do is that we have all of the components for SASE in multiple different best of breed technologies inside our own company. What we're accomplishing and what we're doing with Secure Connect is bringing the ideal, perfect capabilities from all these technologies and making them work together seamlessly. And that's more than just a packaging exercise of making it easier to buy. It is also a way, it is easier to buy, to be transparent. That's very focused and very simple for us, but it's easy to buy, it's easy to consume, it's easy to deploy, and it's easy to adopt. And that's not just from a day one perspective. It's as we continue to identify and look at the landscape that we have and pick the capabilities that are right for you know for the SASE marketplace, we will bring in those technologies capabilities, and we will automatically bring them in to the construct, to the fabric, to the interface. So there is nothing for the IT administrator to do to get the new capability. Obviously they still need to configure and apply their policy, but as we've seen in Meraki over the past decade, things just showing up in dashboard. Imagine not just the interface of new capability, but also that capability automatically being put all over the world for you. Mm-hmm. By creating a you know the SASE as a service model, it's not just at the endpoint, it's in a fabric we are building. So when we add on new security capabilities in the cloud, when we add on new observability capabilities into the cloud, we are not asking the IT or ad, ad, end users or admins to do anything to get that new capability because we're just right. putting it in the cloud for you. And that's where the advancements as, as a service motion comes in, is that we're not asking what has been historically very challenging is cobbling together all the different solutions together, even though they make them come from the same company, putting them together, putting the burden on our partners or our customers. Now we are removing that so you can spend more time actually using the product you buy.
0: Hmm. That sounds gold. I mean, th- th- that's surely what every IT administrator wants to hear. Uh, so we, we're we really, uh, as my understanding of what you're saying there is, is we're we're actually taking rather than having a point, a bunch of point solutions that all have to be administered and learned separately. They're they're, they're essentially brought together under one, uh, for want of a better word, umbrella, and uh, we're and we're then able to uh, make that easier to consume, easier to deploy and manage but the the other thing i liked that you said was that this isn't just like a one stop thing we're we're creating this this fabric if you like that that enables us to continue adding to it over time so this is very reminiscent again of the Meraki approach of ship ship a product and then add to its value as time goes on
2: yep yep absolutely
0: So let's break down some of these components. I know we're now we're talking essentially about this thing, Cisco Plus Secure Connect. Uh, Let's just break it down a little bit. What what are some of the things that it brings to the table um, specifically? So what are those big chunky elements of it essentially?
2: So Grant mentioned them earlier, right? You know, Cloud Firewall, um, cl- Cloud Gateways, um, CASB, ZTNA. Those are all the capabilities that are being delivered that are part of the core stronghold of SASE and also SD-WAN, right? So when we talk about there's there's cloud security capabilities, but when we talk about SASE as a whole, it's the cloud security capabilities and the SD-WAN network capabilities and bringing those together. And what we're doing in our in our situation is creating, again, I talked about, Let's get into that. It's easier to consume and easier to adopt. Mm-hmm. We are making a single interface where all of these technologies will come into one place. So the experience an IT admin has when they look at Secure Connect is that they are going to log in to a single dashboard, you know, the Meraki dashboard, and it will have the capabilities for Secure Connect. Um, one place to go to look at observability and visibility for their network and security policies, and specific. Uh, applications and capabilities such as ZTNA are built directly into that Meraki dashboard now today there are a lot of cloud security capabilities that are still delivered through the umbrella the umbrella dashboard and we make it very easy for an IT admin to seamlessly move between the Meraki dashboard and the umbrella dashboard to make it feel as one mm-hmm. but over time, everything will be migrated into a single platform and a single interface. And all those capabilities I talked about that could be added on in the future will continue to go into the native Meraki dashboard. So you're not having to, to manage multiple places, go in multiple places, one look and feel for all of your SASE
0: outcomes. Right, and this is why it's uh, we're including this conversation in Meraki Unbox specifically because there is, of course, that really exciting component of the Meraki dashboard. We know is a hit; uh, everybody loves it. We're starting, we've been talking about bringing sort of management for Catalyst switches into the Meraki dashboard, and you know it's clear that this is becoming a, a broad platform that can be adapted in many different ways to different different use cases. So, speaking of those use cases, what what kind of customers? do we see this being relevant to, I mean, I could, I could answer that myself. It sounds like everybody, but, uh, but, but, but specifically, let's just try and break it into some real use cases. Um, Grant, do you want to have a go at that one?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think there's at the high level we've touched on this a little bit. There's two primary uh, categories that we're talking about. We tend to talk about secure internet access. So for those individual users who need safe and reliable access to core resources, whether they're, uh, sas applications or other uh, from wherever i am connecting making sure that is controlled managed and observable through the dashboard uh, the second component is the what we think of secure private access which is making sure we've got connections and security and policy applied to requests to corporate resources applications wherever they are whether they're sitting in a SaaS cloud, whether they're sitting in a data center somewhere, or if they're sitting out in AWS, Google Google Cloud Platform, or Azure, ensuring that we have that consistent, interconnected access through all of those. Um, and then, of course, delivered, delivered as a service with that with zero operational impact. Where that really comes into play to make those a little bit more practical, right? Think about access to a core HR application. Mm-hmm. Whether you're using something like a, a workday, if you have a uh, human resources application that's running in a private data center uh, or in a uh, AWS cloud, as an employee, I need access to everything from my pay stubs, my 401k contributions, uh, my employment history, all of that information that's just you know critical, whether I'm in the office, at home, uh, or at my parents' house. Uh, but more than that, you know, my organization needs to make sure that the policy and the posture of my device that's trying to access that information also conforms right. to policy, right? That is preventing other people from getting access to my information or someone who's has using me spoofing my device. Uh, I can control that. I can manage that. And that's that idea of, uh, secure both internet and and private access in many ways. On the IT side, you know, Steve and his team, are putting in the IT role, need to be able to determine and control access to those core resources, even if I have split them across multiple sites. I might have main site one, secondary site two. How do I manage my connection to those for my HR team who needs like to the second updates on what's happening with the workforce? I think it's that... Again, that gets back to that nature of the hybrid workforce versus the structure of the organization. I mean, Steve, does that, how does that line up with how you think about which kinds of organizations or which kinds of companies might be the first people to get benefit from a, a Sassy approach?
2: yeah I think to your point like the ideal the customers that are really going to look at this construct and look at the solution say that fits exactly my problem statement right now are the ones that that know the difference and can clarify the difference in our hybrid workforce not in hybrid organizations so when you look at things like retailers or, or hospitality or you know hotels and hospitality you have certain workers that only work on site because they are doing things there and you have certain workers that are working at home now part of that corporation will do both but the predominant percentage are these you know maybe they're not as we commonly call them they're not knowledge workers right it's a lot of the organizations where the the people that come to work every day are knowledge workers that need access to all the applications and that want to do their job and can do their job from anywhere right you can't check somebody out from your house although that's a whole different conversation but that those are the type of entities that are really going to see it where they are struggling to adjust back to the the new norm which is a, a we want to hire. we keep on talking about the pers- the personal side of this. We want to hire people that can be from anywhere. So the people that are struggling with either getting talent or adjusting with the experience of people now coming and wanting to go back into the office, but not only wanting to go in back of the office, I don't believe there's ever gonna be a time, at least, you know, with my job and what I do, that I a company is going to say you have to be in the office five days a week, or we're not going to move forward. We just mm-hmm. you limit your talent pool. So it's yep. co- it's companies that struggle to 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 balance that and want to create an environment where we can get anybody anywhere and have a consistent experience, where all the workers are very similar in what they do and have access and can move everywhere, are the ones that are most likely going to be adopting this early on.
0: Love it. And, and it makes perfect sense. Like you said, I mean, it, it is that interesting component of the talent pool and and being able to just be an attractive employer because we're all competing for, for good talent. And uh, the reality is it is very hard to see us all going back to uh, five days in the office. A couple of days is nice. Uh, we all we all find our own balance there but um but yes it's ultimately it shouldn't matter and i think that's what we're trying to really drive towards here is is providing for a world where it doesn't matter where you are working and we've talked about that forever in it but i think we're really starting to get to a point where we're delivering on that on that vision uh, at this point in time and so i mean meraki is uh, a company that's really thought very carefully about how to simplify and how to solve some of these really big challenges grant um You know, where do you see us fitting into this picture?
1: Well, at the end of the day, Meraki has been operating under the assumption uh, that the world and work is going to rapidly decentralize for what, 15 years? Mm -hmm. It was kind of like started from this idea of the cloud managed network, now cloud managed IT. And what we've learned, and I think where a lot of the innovation is really coming in, is how Do you connect and rebuild these services for this delivery model, for Mm -hmm. this operational model? And then how do we make it accessible to any team, right? Whether you have a, uh, a highly specialized, highly skilled network team and security team operating together, you still need a place where you can come together and define and understand and troubleshoot policy, adapt to the new landscape, that you have to to manage Mm -hmm. and then like we we talk about hybrid work or hybrid workforce sometimes as if it and security aren't living the same world right (laughs) they're no longer in the same room the the knock and the sock are virtual how can we collapse and bring that information together and i think that is the essence of how meraki thinks about design and management and scaling networks and security, but providing that single, unified, sophisticated view in one place uh, is kind of the core of why we're choosing to build this product on top of the Meraki platform to
0: begin with. Mm. It's a great story. I love it. So I think I think we probably have done a, a very good job here of explaining what this thing is, why it matters, how it adra- adapts and addresses challenges in the real world that we're seeing all around us, every, all of us, I'm sure, in various different ways. Um, so there's always this question at the end of every podcast like what do you want to do if you are if 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 you've heard something interesting, you want to learn more, understand more, maybe take a step in the direction of uh, of looking at this for your own organization. Uh, what would you say would be the best way to go about doing that um Steve?
2: Yeah, so if you want to explore more, there is the opportunity that we do have a public facing website uh, on the product itself. Uh, All you need to do is simply find, you know, Cisco, type in Cisco Plus Secure Connect into Google and find it. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a public facing website uh, that you can go find out more, learn a little bit about it, learn about a customer case study where this is already deployed, and find out if it's something that can fit for you. And if you're curious about more, we do have the opportunity to, you know, connect to an individual that can ask some more needs about your, your environment to determine whether or not this is the right fit for you.
0: Perfect. I will put a link in the uh, description as well. So, uh, take a look there to, um, to get directly into, uh, you know, really more of an explanation as well and, and just different perspectives. Cause that's how we all learn. I think just looking at this explained in different ways, but I think we've done a really good job, uh, in this episode actually of, of making it real, making it feel real for, for our audience. And, uh, I hope those of you listening agree with that. Let us know uh, if, uh, if it has done a good job or if, uh, if there's something else you'd like us to to clarify or go into it in a little bit more depth, perhaps. Um, but for now, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. I want to thank uh, Steve and Grant very much, both of you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you as well. It was great to finally be here. I feel like this is my longtime listener, first time caller moment. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me. This is, this is such a unique, you know, way to talk about this
2: technology. So many times we talk about these in, you know, more formal settings and announcements mm-hmm. to be able to talk about and really naturally come up with the customer problems we're talking about and more talk about, you know, we got into a very unique conversation about equity that really, I don't even think I would have acknowledged at the beginning was, was really a value of this. But as we talk about it naturally and let it come naturally to us, we realize how important something like this is to, to really uh, level the landscape.
0: That's awesome. I, I thank you for saying that, Stephen. I, I do think that. Part of the, the the fun of doing this podcast is being taking the time to just just step back a little bit and try and look at this from a broad perspective. Ask a few dumb questions uh, and try to understand the context around this thing that we are ultimately trying to get our listeners to pay attention to. Um, of course, that's always there, but there's a reason why, and it's because we're trying to solve real world challenges that uh, that we're experiencing in the work in the workforce um, every single day. So. Uh, I think we've done a nice job of that in this episode. I'm very happy with uh, with that description. Thank you very much, both of you, once again. And of course, to you, our listeners, thank you for taking time out to listen to Meraki Unboxed. As I said, we are doing this every two weeks and that's been the case for now. It's coming up on three and a half years. So stay tuned, uh, get subscribed to the podcast if you're not already, and we'll see you back here in a couple more weeks uh, for more fun on Meraki Unboxed. Bye for now.